Yo, Chad, what if I told you there's a platform that could completely revolutionize your hiring strategy in a matter of hours? Yeah, I'd call bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit with AI for jobs powered by our friends at This Way Global. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, While everyone else is fishing in the same old talent pools, AI for Jobs can source over 160 million diverse candidate profiles. This Way Global has established unique partnerships with over 8,500 trusted diversity partners. So wait a minute. All of the hard on-the-ground work is already done. That's right, Cowboy. You can discover 300 qualified candidates per job rack instantly. Wow. It's like having a candidate sourcing magic wand. (laughs) Dude, if you had a magic wand, you would have Mexican pizzas all day. Mm. Uh, Stop distracting me, Sowash. AI for Jobs Advanced Matching Algorithm analyzes past applicants using trillions of historical matching events and over 1,600 data points. Now that is what AI should be doing, saving recruiters time on sourcing while they provide a white glove candidate experience. Let's wrap this shit up. I'm hungry. Listen up, kids. Revolutionize your hiring process today by jumping over to thiswayglobal.com and checking out AI for Jobs, where you can learn more about how to leverage AI for your recruiting instead of just writing poems and grocery lists. That is thiswayglobal.com. We out. Where I just kind of imploded and just quit being effective at my job because I was just like my attitude tanked. And I mean, just any, all the things that can happen when someone is burnt out, you know, you say the wrong thing in the wrong room. Voices. We hear them every day. Some voices like mine are smooth and comforting. While on the other hand, the Chad and Cheese podcast is like listening to a Nickelback album. You'd rather stab yourself in the ears with an ice pick. Anyway, you're now listening to Voices, a podcast series from Chad and Cheese that features the most important and influential voices within the recruitment industry. Try not to fuck it up, boys. Hey, it's Chad again. Welcome back to Voices with Amy Butchko. SAIC's Director of Talent Acquisition Solutions. This is the final episode of this five-part bingeable series. We pick up the conversation around a debate in HR about augmentation versus robots. Enjoy. Your, your opinion on the robots is, is obviously uh, pretty clear from this interview. Curious about your thoughts on, if you're bearish on automation, where are you on augmentation? In other words, creating tools that help uh, enhance a human being's ability to do something quicker, faster, more, uh, you know, more, I don't know, deeper where they're going. Like I always think of a lot of the sourcing tools, the seek outs and the hire tools is their success has been built on augmentation. So instead of you having to go out and search Google or whatever search engines, like they bring all the candidates into one place. So where are you on augmentation and the future of that? Bullish on augmentation because it works. I mean, it works. So, so let's, let's break that down into like, what does that actually mean in the job? So back in the day, if you were a sorcerer, which I was, you know, you had to know how to write a Boolean code string 
into your, you know, into whatever, you know, the gazillion browsers that you can, you know, use to go find your specialized people to do the stuff that you got to do. And, you know, because Google does one thing and, and the other, you know, and they all do different things to, to keep you in their walled garden and keep search and their algorithm working their way. Right. So you had to know how all those different things worked and how to code your search just so. The software does it for you now. And it has completely transformed how efficient sourcing can be. You know, another example of where augmentation is effective is text messaging. So used to be, if you wanted to send text message, I'd pick up my phone, I'd open my app, put your number in, type you a note, and wait for you to respond. Now I can do that at scale. I can send gajillions of text messages to gajillions of people who have opted into my system. That doesn't sound spammy at all. Well, we don't actually do it because the kinds of candidates that we know I'm giving you shit, but when you say a gajillion, that's a lot. But I guess, but it's augmentation. I could, but I could do it. Yeah. And, you know, and what we were talking about before with the chatbot thing, I'm telling you, you can't do it. (laughs) <laughs> like, I'm going to tell you what, like, let me do oh, Yep, that's probably not going to work. This, you could do it. So yay on Terminator, or no on Terminator, yay on RoboCop. That's what right I mean. No Schwarzenegger, we're going RoboCop. For the <laughs> RoboCop future. is the answer. <laughs> like, we like to funnel everything to the 80s, Amy, when we understand. I, I don't Good understand guess. anything before or after. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. She just earned a second applause. Way to go, Amy. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Any pro 80s commentary gets an applause. So, yeah. Now we've got to get into, uh, you know, the shall we play shall a game kind of scenario. So, so the the algorithms, oh, the algorithms uh, are generally trained off of humans, which are biased, right? But yet, but yet we expect the algorithms not to be biased. How have you seen just the, the conversation go around matching bias uh, in, in the different algorithms that are out there for uh, organizations like yours to find better quality candidates and not be a bunch of old white dudes. We don't use a lot of that. Okay. Is it because of the perspective bias or why? Yeah, we're not it, it, the, the, the potential for, you know, so, I work in an environment that is very focused on like information security. And so one of the components of information security is identity. So anything that potentially breaches the identity of the individual is going to be questioned in our world. The search that we do is pretty careful and we have a lot, we have humans doing it. Mm-hmm. So do we use the tools? Yes. Do we rely on those tools to handle the every component of that search? No, we do not. Right. So augmentation, back to augmentation then. Yes, definitely back to augmentation. We, we briefly talked about scaling, scaling a company in terms of talent acquisition in a, in a post-pandemic world. Um, obviously, there are new challenges in that. Have you, have you given much thought to that and, and how people should sort of re- rethink building a, a, an organization quickly uh, in a post-pandemic world? Do, do things change much or do they change a lot or somewhere in the middle? Yeah, that's a good question. And I haven't thought about it specific to post-pandemic, probably because I think talent acquisition to me But to me, talent acquisition has always felt like a place where people come and go. 
And it's, you know, COVID was a time when not a lot of people came or went. If you were, if you had a job, you could keep your job. If you could, you know, if your company downsized your recruiting department, then, you know, I know that that was a, gosh, the spring of 2020 was rough for a lot of people. And for us, we, we were able to retain and, and keep, keep chugging along. Government contracting was pretty stable. And so post pandemic, we have started to see an uptick in turnover, um, just like everyone else. And, you know, some of that may have been, as I discussed, pent up, you know, might have left last year, was thinking about making a change, blah, blah, blah. And some of it is because, you know, compensation is, you know, some of the offers are really good. I've been hearing things, you know, from from some of my peers out there that are making me wonder, <laughs> should my phone be ringing? Um, like, 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 wait a minute, because um, there's some pretty nice, some pretty sweet deals. But I think that for me, in terms of, of building a team and growing a team, we started this team three years ago and and started kind of scaling it up around 2018. And now the team is is much larger than it was, but that it feels to me right now more like that building phase when we were starting from scratch. And it was like, wow, you know, I've got to be interviewing all the time. I've got to be always, you know, making sure that I'm taking care of my 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 people that are here and you know we, and we do have a, a good emphasis here on what is our quality of work-life balance? What is that, you know, is it, how are we treating each other? How, what is, what is the burnout level? How are we taking care of ourselves and, you know, and bringing that well-being to work? So I think, you know, I think that that last part is new post COVID where that mindfulness of being human, that we're human, that part is kind of new, but the rest of it, you know, the, the growth and, and building something is familiar to me. When it comes to wage inequity, talent acquisition has a lot to do with that. HR has a lot to do with that because we're the ones actually pushing the deal across the table for the most part, right? How do we, and if you take a look at talent acquisition as a whole and correct me if, if I'm wrong, it's, it's a very female-heavy department and or industry. So why are women allowing other women to get shafted? And why has this happened for decades? And you thought this would all be softball questions. <laughs> I know. I know. I thought we'd be talking about robots and easy things. Well, there's that. We already Spooling did that. search queries. So a couple things on... You know, and this is just speaking strictly, this is just Amy, and this is, as as you indicate, HR, not so much talent acquisition, though, okay. I would say, is not female dominated, right? Like, okay. there's a lot of men, I mean, we're currently, I'm outnumbered on this call, so... <laughs> not in IQ points, Amy, not in IQ points. <laughs> Well, I, so I think that there's a couple things that, that are that I would say that that have to be addressed in this around wage around wages and around women in particular. One is the historical pay gap. How much you make when you start working 
largely sets how much you will make forever, right? Because the increases that you get, the the amount that you make, it can be set by that very first job, right? And often we know that women are paid less, but I also think that around that, you've got the fact that, that pay is not transparent. Um, and I actually, I saw an article, this doesn't have to do so much with, um, with women in particular, but the Wall Street Journal this past week had an article. It was something like, there are companies out there who are apparently advertising their jobs that they can be worked anywhere except Colorado. And call it, why is that? Because Colorado has put in a law that went into effect early 2021 that said that companies must post compensation for the jobs that are either remote, can be worked anywhere, or are based in Colorado. And so there are companies out there. And, and by the way, SAIC complies. We, we post our, our you know, compensation for jobs that can be worked in Colorado or that are in Colorado. And we have both. Um, so, and it was like, it was a huge hassle to like make the change out from a technology perspective, like getting that fixed and, you know, so that, that it works. Uh, that was, it was a thing. So the robot is helping us there. So point for the robot. But when you look at, you know, why would a company like, what are we doing here? If we're keeping things in the black box where nobody can know what, like, I can't know what you make and you can't know what I make, you know, we just kind of have to guess. And a lot of times, you know, you're lucky, you feel lucky to have a job. And so you're not necessarily going to want to rock the boat. And I think we know historically women also, you know, another statistic that you can go find on the internet that I don't, I can't remember who did the study, but you know, there, there was a study done where women will only apply to jobs where they feel they're 100% qualified. Whereas a man, like, Meh, I can spell that, you know, I can, you know, I'll apply to that job. I mean, and sure, and, and both people might be equally able to do the job. But the woman is more is less likely to apply. And then if you think about that same mindset going into an offer negotiation, you know, if you put her back on her heels to be like, well, have you ever made a chat bot? And she'd be like, no. Um, and like, well, maybe I should just take less money, right. To, to do the, to do the job. Right. I mean, just think about it, right. As a, as a person, you know, in the middle of a negotiation, what's going to happen to you. So last thing, you know, around gender and pay is the, there is another known phenomenon where there's actually like a premium that happens when a, a profession is male dominated. And as soon as a woman, women, more women start to join a profession, the wages start to go down for everybody. And so, you know, and if you look at like teaching, right, potentially HR, I don't, I don't really, you know, right. Like the, the wages start to go down, whereas male dominated professions or professions that are, are thought of as male dominated are, you know, can be more highly compensated. And this is just kind of how the, the, how our brains work apparently. Okay. Listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating? manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions. And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? 
Well, wait. The Chad and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman. I'm talking about Text Kernel. Ah, okay. That makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, yeah, simplicity. <laughs> seriously, though, seriously. Text Kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways... TextKernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. TextKernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. TextKernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey, kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh, my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data. I mean, that that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener, get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com that's t-e-x-t-k-e-r-n-e-l.com mm, nachos <laughs> so you touched on uh how male and females view job descriptions differently and there are a lot of yeah. solutions mm -hmm. out there well known and in, in startup that are trying to solve that problem of of creating equality and job postings and the actual description. Mm -hmm. What is, has SAIC done anything in the past uh, few years to change how they do job descriptions? Are there solutions that you sort of rely on to help you do that? Do you find that effective? Cause I think that's a, I think it's something that people just sort of, you know, copy and paste and we're done. But I think companies have to take more thought into what their job descriptions say because of these studies that are being done. What's, what's sort of your take on that? Yeah, so we still mostly manage that with humans. And we have looked at some of the solutions and have found them promising. But not, you know, I think you're you're getting into a, a place where the language of a job description, it's not standard, right? Like every job can be different. And so the software when you have you know, like right now, like we could probably have 1300 jobs open, you know, you can go look out on the internet and each one of them is different and software just hasn't caught up to enterprise scale on that. So it kind of works, but, or we haven't gone forward with that type of a solution for that reason right now. Can't wait for the, to get all the vendor pings. Yeah. Right? On that side. And I know we talked about, um, uh, jobs to web, uh, <laughs> earlier mm -hmm. and how much does SEO come into play when you're writing description? Cause there's a certain amount of, I guess, maybe think like a search engine, but also think like a human being. And how do you balance that or yep. do you? We do. So couple things that, that we do is we do train our recruiters in the kinds of things to, like the do's and don'ts, especially with job titles where, you know, it can, you can break Google really quickly by, you know, sticking a bunch of acronyms into your job title and, you know, and Google goes, what? And so, so we do train our recruiters to, to do better with that. And 
in terms of other mechanisms, we also use a little bit of automation with our, um, our advertising agency has the ability to do some sort of like A-B testing and, and stuff with our jobs that are sponsored. And we have pretty good results. We get pretty good results that way out of advertising. So there's another, you know, another point in the robot column. I think you're saying there's a lot of nuance in your job, Amy. There's a lot of nuance. There is. And and that's part of what makes it interesting for me as a human. And that's a point for the humans. Nuance. <laughs> and that's a point for the humans. That's exactly right. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that a robot could do my job yet. We we actually had Tracy Lovejoy and Shannon Lucas on the show to to talk about their book Move Fast, Break Shit and Burn Out. And uh, it was centered on catalysts, pretty much, a, a, I would say, a silo of individuals who do just that. They move incredibly fast. They break shit because they're moving so fast and then they burn out, right? And how to actually manage that. So I found it somewhat enlightening for myself to be able to, to have that conversation and almost feel like I found my people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you obviously gravitated to it as well. Why? You know, probably because... Ultimately, I recognized the burnout cycle and I saw the, you know, it's almost like it can be manic, you know, when you're building something or when you have a concept or an idea that you're trying to bring to fruition. And, you know, and I'm so fortunate with with this role where I've been able to build things and build teams, but in my career. And, you know, now that you know that I'm an expert on the eighties, you know, that I didn't just start here. Um, I've had some cycles where I just, I just burnt out. And what ends up happening is there's a couple ways that that's kind of manifested for me, you know, and one of them is, has been health problems. And the other one has been where I just kind of imploded and just, quit being effective at my job because I was just like my attitude tanked. And I mean, just any, all the things that can happen when someone is burnt out, you know, you say the wrong thing in the wrong room, you, your attitude tanks, you know, you become the kind of person that other people don't want to work with. And they are the people you don't want to work with anymore either. That's the kind of, you know, sort of, sort of that cycle of things was something that I recognized. And as I've matured in my career, I've kind of gotten to the point where I've been able to manage that more myself, but kind of reading that perspective and, and, and just spending time thinking about the concept of a person as a catalyst and what it really takes to move an organization was just fascinating to me. And so I too kind of felt like I found my people, but you know, that whole concept was, was just, I was like, wow. Okay. So I'm not the only one over here moving fast, broken shit and burning out. Yeah. What about managing people now? I mean, because after, after, after that, right. You kind of find like your people and then you see other people and you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. I I think, I think from a mentorship standpoint, I might be able to help them. How, how has it helped you there? Yeah, so I did. I actually had a conversation with Tracy, and thank you for that introduction, um, with Tracy Lovejoy about that. And, you know, I have a, a couple of catalysts, you know, people that I would describe as catalysts on my team. And in terms of managing that person, there's a couple things. One is being really respectful of what they're bringing to the table 
even though it's not something that you can act on right now. If you can't act on it right now, then how do you give the idea it's due, you know, give, give the concept, you know, the proper air for, for what you can do right now or the proper investment so that you can figure out how to grow it forward. And then also on the flip side of that, recognizing that that person also probably burns really hot. <laughs> so when I say burns hot, what I mean is that's the kind of thing where you're, that's where the burnout can happen. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and being like, okay, how is this person doing on their leave bank? Have, have, have we all had a vacation this year? You know, and being really mindful of watching out for signs like getting texts at nine o'clock at night every day. Right. Not okay. Right. Yeah. Like that's the kind of stuff that, that managing really smart people who can see the future, which is how I would kind of like sum up what I think a catalyst also is. How do you manage those folks and help them be successful in your organization? Now, I'm just going to say, I call that the, the dots concept because most individuals can't see all the dots. They just like, they're not aware to all the dots, let alone, they don't have the ability to connect the dots. So you know, those are things that they're seeing in the market and they see the dots connecting in the market itself. So it's not like seeing the future, but it's kind of like seeing the future. Yeah. And Amy, we don't want you to get burned out on the Chat and Cheese podcast. So <laughs> thank you for coming in, spending some quality time with us. For those listeners who want to know more about you, connect your organization, where would you send them? They can find me on LinkedIn um, or on Twitter. I'm at Amy Butchko. So just A-M-Y-B-U-T-C-H-K-O on Twitter um, and on LinkedIn. That's also my handle. This is this has been a treat. Yeah, thank you. Chad? Yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening to the Chad and Cheese Voices series with SAIC's Amy Butchko. If you like what you heard, there are more great interviews with amazing people ready and available if you're not already subscribed, look for the Chad and Cheese wherever you listen to podcasts and hit that subscribe or follow button. Thanks for listening. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain -brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.